Alright, we are here with uh, Connor Emini in the ice tubs. Connor is the youngest person to run an Ironman on six continents. I think you're going to be the first and youngest person to do it on seven. Yes, sir. And I'm really happy that you're on this podcast, Connor, because I genuinely believe that you're going to go on and do some really cool stuff that people are going to want to watch. I think you got a lot going for you and you got a really bright future. And I'm glad that you're on here before you're on Rich Roll, Joe Rogan, all the good ones. So thank you for taking the time. Dude, thanks for, for having me. I know it's been full circle. We met before I even did, you know, my second Ironman. And That's right. uh, before this was even, you know, your own vision coming to life. So yeah. like back at you, excited that we became friends. And I know it's friends for a lifetime. So happy <laughs> to be here, man. Yeah, okay. How are you feeling today? Cold. <laughs> Dude, it's like really cold today. Yeah, I guess um, you gotta put my hands in, eh? You gotta put your hands in. Oh. So, I don't know if we'll have much time to chat about it right now, because I'm feeling like I'm not gonna even last two minutes right now, but you said you had a pretty big week. Did something happen? Yeah, man, this past weekend, um, me and six friends went and did a hike uh, out towards Water Sprite, mm -hmm. the cabin overnight. Um, yeah. And on the way back, we got snowed in and actually had to call search and rescue. Dude, it was I crazy. I saw like little hints about that. On social. I didn't really understand though. Yeah, man, it was like almost a meter of snow. We ran out of food, ran out of water. Um, like we had a Tacoma, like a, a proper four by four drive and it was just sliding all over the place. So we made like the call to keep it safe and like trek back to the main road which was you know 20 to 30 kilometers and we had no cell reception you and walked 20 or 30 yeah so we walked from 9 a.m and then we finally got rescued i think it was like almost 8 p.m um and yeah they had to send like you know search and rescue from squamish and uh like the mopeds to to try and get us out there and we ran into this guy in a pickup truck which like brought us kind of home stretch but you know it takes it takes things for granted right like you think everything's gonna be all right and you just never know um what situation you'll end up in but yeah grateful grateful that all went okay and we're here today that's crazy so t take me back so like you went and hiked water spike was it an overnight trip yeah overnight trip no snow it was calling from maybe five centimeters yeah. but total blizzard like white out um, this happened like during the night or during the night yeah okay. so we woke up and it was blizzarding and it just kept getting worse and worse and we made the hike down and I can send you some some videos of it but it was pretty crazy yeah dude i'm i'm dying in here i think do you want to go in the sauna 30 more seconds man all right let's do it let's do it come on you got this. Ah! yeah so um in case you didn't know endurance athletes are known to be better at cold exposure than explosive athletes. Not saying you're not explosive, but apparently those who lack a genetic, a gene called the ATCN3 gene, it's a fast twitch muscle gene. Yeah. They generally are able to tolerate the cold better because their muscles are better at uh, retaining heat. Or no, the fast twitch muscle is better at expelling heat. So Connor's obviously an endurance athlete, but you weren't always, right? You played hockey, like competitive hockey. Yeah, yeah, kind of fell into it in the last two to three years, I would say, um, yeah. and just kind of, you know, went all in on it. And yeah, um, 
yeah, we can get into it, but, you know, I just fell in love with the, the mindset of, like, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and, you know, it takes a certain person to wake up when they don't want to, and, yeah. you know, push through an Ironman race, and... Like this, man. Yeah, yeah You exactly. love this, don't you? Dude, I, I think, like, you know, there's the three disciplines, swimming, biking, and running, but something that is most important out of all of those is the, what I call the fourth discipline, and that's the mindset is doing hard things over and over again and like this is a prime example of it so yeah man you're killing it <laughs> you're killing it how you doing I'm, I'm suffering dude um i've never had an easy time with the cold yeah yeah but you're a master in the sauna i mean i struggle in there too but i definitely like it better for sure okay let's go to the sauna let's do it. i'm calling it Okay, we're, uh, we're in the sauna now. Um, I tapped out there. I was having trouble today, but um, yeah, my, I'm saying my, my dick kind of hurts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's what it is. Um, but no, dude, I wanted to uh, talk more about the water sprite trip. Yeah. Because that's pretty crazy. Like, you had to call Switch and Rescue. Yeah, man. I mean, like, we were at the group of seven, right? And think like you always think that everything will be fine and we're just trying to we're trying to stay calm in kind of this crazy situation that you read about and yeah um but yeah it's it's so important to just like play it safe and instead of risking driving back you know we made the call to to leave the car overnight like it's still there to this day and this was on the weekend really yeah like there was there was snow like past my knees and i'm you know a pretty tall guy wow so like some of the girls it was up to their hips and it's oh my like God. Yeah, when you're when you're running out of food and it's starting to get dark and you know, you're like you're just thinking what could go wrong. But I think it was important and we did a really good job as a group of like, you know, staying positive, staying calm, like making a team decision, making sure everyone felt comfortable and Yeah. Um yeah, it's one of those weird situations you never think you'll be in, but when yeah. you're in it you're just like, Now what? you know, it's like it's it's kinda Relating it to, to this in a sense, it's kind of what we talk about, right? With like parasympathetic versus sympathetic, versus sympathetic, right? It's like your fight or flight response. And I was like, my brain was like, we got to fight. We got to keep, we got to keep chugging along. It's going to get dark, like trying to push the pace of the group. Like, let's get back to safety kind of thing. And we all made it, which is good. Yeah. So hold on. You camped at Water Sprite. <coughs> A snowstorm came out of nowhere that nobody was expecting. Yeah. And then the next morning is when you tried to, you, you hike back to your car. Yeah. And then you couldn't drive out because there's too much snow. Yeah. And then you started walking the 20 or 30 kilometer back. Yeah. That's what happened, right? And then you're lucky you had cell service, honestly. So we didn't for the first, I don't know, at least an hour. Wow. You know, and so yeah. we were kind of really in the in the mountains there. So we did did the hike back, which took probably five hours from okay. the hut. You probably didn't even know that you would have cell service or not, or did somebody have an idea? We had an idea going yeah. in, because okay. yeah. uh, we had cell service up to a certain point, yeah. um, and we just kind of figured like, the closer we there. get to the city, you know, the more likely cell service would be, but yeah. it was kind of a movie scene, man. Like, as soon as one of our phones like beeped, they took it, we took it out and like called 911, yeah. which, which connected us to search and rescue, gotcha. and we were like, 
you know, it was an emergency, but we also knew like we had time. So we didn't want to take away from like other emergencies, but at the same time you have to do like what you have to do. So we were like, there's like, you either have to like send a helicopter or send people on snowmobiles to come and get us. Um, but we just kept hiking to stay warm and to get as close as we could. But that was a long day. How did they pick you up? Um, they sent like snowmobiles up to a certain point. By the time we, they like, they, it took so long for them to get it up because there was so much snow. So we found this random guy in this pickup truck that was doing donuts like in a random <laughs> spot. It was hilarious. <laughs> but, like, hey boys. <laughs> literally. Oh, yeah. He took all of us in the back of his pickup truck to like the, the search and rescue people who had the snowmobiles and this like big van that looked like a little minibus and like it fit all of us so they took us in that van and took us back to the city but was he like super canadian yeah <coughs> yeah yeah nice <laughs> nice guy you know nice guy but just interesting dude that doing donuts in the middle of By you know, like, there was like a couple of them there oh, but um yeah, it was so weird. I was, they were like, what are you guys doing here? We were like, what are you doing here? You know? That's pretty funny, but thank yeah. God they were there, man. They saved us. Yeah, I've, I've been rescued in the sea to sky. Not not from snow. Me and my friend did an overnight hike at uh, one of the ski huts, but it was in the summer. Yeah. Um, and then on our way back, uh, a bear and our two cubs were coming on the trail that we would take back. Yeah. So we cut down this other trail. At the time, I actually didn't even realize it was the wrong trail. We actually thought it was the right trail. Okay. But, um, yeah, we were kind of, like, also just, like, running away from this bear. Um, and then we ended up, like, totally not where our car was at all. Yeah. And then we, yeah, hiked back onto the highway. And then, yeah, some, like, random mechanic, like, picked us up and, like, <laughs> was like, I got you a couple of errors in Whistler. Like, can I do that first? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And we, like, went up to Whistler. He like made me drive his car to like the mechanic shop while he did something else, <laughs> and then drove us back. And then his buddy like a, he he was a mechanic, so like his buddy at the mechanic shop had this big four by four rig. Yeah. And then so we're back in Squamish, and then he's like, "Yo, can you take these guys back to their car?" He's like, "Yeah, boss." <laughs> <laughs> we fill up the guys the guys truck, and it's like a beefy four by four truck. And yeah. You ever go gone four by four and like? not not like intentionally now it's wild yeah. yeah those guys yeah just like the suspension and the the rigs that they have or they just like like when we drove up the road we were going like 10 20 kilometers like trying to skirt around everything yeah um and they just fucking like 50 60 kilometers an hour up these roads like bouncing up and down sharp corners all you do is like a couple honks to like let people know to like get the fuck out of the way and <laughs> just like yeah. yeah, different life. But yeah, good thing. Good thing you uh, you let the bears go by. You know, you yeah. never want to be in that situation head on with the bear and her cubs. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, that's pretty great. Were you guys like legitimately scared at at any point? Um, I think like mixed emotions in a group. You know, like mm. some people were like, ah, like everything's gonna be fine. We can walk it in. And then some people are like, you know, we don't have any food. We don't have any water. Like mm. starting to get a little bit anxious. Personally, like, like ego aside, like my toes were freezing. Like I didn't mm. have like proper 
proper boots for like that kind of temperature right. so after like you know six hours of going i was like in these little shoes with crampons on what kind of shoes do you, do you know yeah like nike pegasus trail nike shoes nike. <laughs> get this man sponsored yeah, no, um, six hours in knee deep snow and nikes yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so man like yeah not not equipped for those conditions <laughs> but you know it's like you know, it's developing can-do attitude or whatever comes at you, you can, you know, work through. And I think it's just another life lesson of, like, you know, staying calm and, and dealing with what comes. And, like, you know, what? there's no point of getting angry at anyone or upset. Like, it's totally out of your control, right? So it's like, how do we reframe the situation, work together as a team, and, like, get through it together? Was the group getting close to, like, kind of at each other's necks at any point? Um, you know, there's certain moments where certain people were walking way ahead of the group or people stopped talking um, and it was just like silence. But I think overall we were like pretty good, like, yeah. you know, trying to, trying to have conversation, make the time go by, like changing leaders. So like, cause you're carving your own path, right? There's no real path for you to dig through. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a good experience. Like wouldn't wish it on anyone, but like now, now I think we all know that we can get through something like that, that happens again. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm not gonna go up to water spray anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but the cabin, man, like, and I would totally recommend visiting. It's so cool. It, it sleeps ten people up in the upper bunk, and then they got like, you know, a sauna, not a sauna, but like a wood fire yeah, where you yeah. can create all your own meals and like tons of pots and pans. So it's a cool yeah. trip. Good to get off grid and like disconnect for a little bit. Yeah, because you're an Ontario boy who's come to BC in the past what two, two, three years. Yeah, just over two years, man. Yeah, so you're you're experiencing all these like, be like staple BC hikes for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that must be cool. Fucking love it. Like, yeah, I think you and I met like in my first what, two two or three months here, like two over two years ago. Yeah, yeah, you just won the triple triple crown is when when we met. Was that pretty close when you moved here? Yeah, I was like within a month. What? Why here. did you move to Vancouver? Uh, I think pandemic, like, yeah. just trying to train for, you know, some races, and Ontario was closed down, the pools were shut, here I was, like, a little bit looser, I could train outdoors, you know, tons of, tons of great outdoor training with cycling and running, so, just wanted to, like, change my environment to, to change my mindset, you know? That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Dude, so let's, um, let's put some water on these rocks, and then, uh, let's talk about Ironmans. Okay. Because that is your... Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. You've never been much of a sauna guy, hey? No, man. Let's do one more then. Oh, yeah. Let's get a pump in here. This, this guy, this guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a piece of broccoli being steamed alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, help yourself to the water. Douse yourself if you need it. Because uh, we're going to be in here for a while. Okay. Iron Man's. I guess let's, um, let's talk about Iron Man's and then talk about uh, where you're going with that, that seventh one. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Connor has run um, six Iron Man's, one on every continent over the span of two years. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. And you're the youngest person. Somebody else has done it, but you're the youngest person to have done it. Yeah. Right. And then now you're, are you making plans to run the seventh Ironman in Antarctica? I am, yeah. So, okay, so I don't think people understand how crazy that is. So like, run us through like logistical difficulties of running an Ironman in Antarctica. Like how crazy is that? Yeah. Um, so planning, planning an expedition there, you know, it's, it's the same distance as an Ironman, but technically an Ironman is just a brand, right? It's, it's the race that comprises of 3.8 kilometer swim, um, 180 kilometer bike ride and 42 kilometer run. Um, so, you know, you're, you're in the midst of fans, you're racing against other people. There's, there's support along the way. Um, whereas Antarctica, it'll be a solo expedition, you know, no, no real crew support. I'll be out there on my own, no fans. Just me and the penguins, you know. Um, but the idea is, yeah, I became the youngest student on six. I want to become the first student on seven. And the bigger goal is like, do something that feels impossible. You know, to me, I think the greatest sense of achievement from any activity or sport is the feeling of accomplishing something that you once thought was impossible. You know, whether that was running your first 5K, 1K, 10K marathon, Ironman, like. It's not the actual check mark of doing it, it's the mental check mark of, I just conquered something I never thought I could do. Mm. Right? And to me, that's what Antarctica is all about. It's over this next year and planning for January 2024, um, is doing something that scares me, doing something that I have no idea how I'm going to do. Logistically, if you're asking about, and you know, I've, I've planned out the bike, I've planned out the run. Um, but I need to plan out this swim, and it's not—it's mm. not an easy place to navigate, and it's there's not many people on the ground to, to talk to, right? And there's like a short window in the year that you can go. It's about mm. two to three months between like end of November to early February. Is that like the only time when you won't just freeze to death? That's the most yeah predictable weather weather patterns, like the most sun in the day. Um, and kind of an opportune time for people to, to go and partake in like, they do have a couple of sanctioned races there, expeditions there. Um, but yeah, man, it's, I wanna do something that nobody's done before um, to prove to myself like what I'm capable of and, and maybe, you know, inspire a couple other people to, to chase something that they never thought they could do. And, Think we're we're limited to these imaginary walls we put ourselves in, and my uh, my goal is to to try and break that for myself, and you know if it helps anyone, try and do that for themselves, and then that's a win, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So, for the run. Yeah. Are you running on road or snow? Yeah. How does that work? Where so, are you gonna run? <laughs> yeah. So there's a groomed path um, around a base, so. And, you know, there's not like hotels there. It's like literal tents set up in the middle of this barren landscape. Um, and I'll be staying in there for probably seven to ten days just for a weather window. Um, find the perfect weather window, create a 21-kilometer loop around the base that I'll use for both the swim, mm. or sorry, the run and the bike. Okay, so it's like, uh, it's just like a track then. Yeah, it's like a groomed, a okay. groomed path, um, but a lot of it probably would be, you know, not groomed. Like yeah. it'll be running on snow as if we were 
had a fresh snowfall, you know, the other day. How long is one uh, loop of the track? Still figuring out details, you know, okay. it's like still to be determined, but it'll be the full 42 kilometer run and a full 180 kilometer bike. The difference with the bike, it'll probably be a fat bike, so wider, you know. That's insane. Wider so how long does the run and the bike usually take in a normal Ironman? How long do you think it'll take in this half snow groomed track? Yeah. Um, so my last Ironman I completed took me, you know, about 11 hours swim, bike, run. Mm -hmm. I think this whole thing would probably take me upwards of 40 hours. So you're moving for 40 hours. Yeah. Do you like, you obviously drink water, but like, how do you like, do you eat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You carry your own kind of nutrition um, right. and working on logistics and, and fueling, but I would ideally have like some kind of loop Stations. where I can, where I can pick up food and um, make sure I'm getting enough kind of supplements in me. Um, but yeah, I don't have all the answers, man. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of work in progress, but I have the vision and um, the bigger goal is kind of just continuing to talk about it and, you know, hopefully more people hear about it and, and can offer some support or encouragement and think that's the, the goal of it all is to get there and, and you know I don't know if I can achieve it but deep down I, I feel like I can and I, I gotta try it you know well I mean you're doing something that people just like don't really do yeah. so I think it makes sense that you don't have all the answers yet um, what do you think the temperature will be when you're doing the race like outside temperature <sighs> I don't know man like, um, probably like negative 10 to 20. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely negatives. Um, you know, wind chill, like, yeah. there's so many factors. Too. You're going to be kitted up. Yeah, yeah. What about the swim? Because that water is probably below freezing. Yeah, so they do host, um, you know, like diving experiences there. So people go in snorkeling gear and kind of like look at the wildlife underneath Antarctica. Mm -hmm. um, so there are like, areas that I can navigate to. There's also like a sheltered bay for some of my research, like found this place called Deception Bay, which is a little bit off, you know, the center area that I fly into, but um, it offers a little bit of protection. So it'd be a bit sheltered from wind, um, but you still need a safety boat. You need somebody with a spear because of the leopard seals. Like it's something that I even have in process, you know, and I don't know, it, it sounds scary to, to me or to everyone, but man, that's what dreams are all about, right? If they don't scare you, why are you doing them? Yeah. Okay, so for these uh, leopard seals, is it like a legitimate risk that a leopard seal could just like chomp your leg off? Also, that's just like terrifying though. Like you're swimming in like sub-freezing water, probably can't see anything underneath you. Yeah. You're kitted out in this dry suit and you've got leopard seals like just lurking about it. <laughs> you're like that's that's terrifying yeah um yeah and if we're being honest like my biggest fear is actually the feeling of not knowing what's underneath you i hate that feeling so every race i kind of get those jitters and i actually hate the swims you know oh, all of them yeah because they're they're in oceans they're in bays um you know, I remember when I went to New Zealand for my first race, uh, I went out and trained with a friend of mine and five seconds in, he steps on a stingray. And it never occurred to me prior to that, that there's this whole underwater ecosystem of wildlife 
yeah. that you can't see. Um, which, man, just sends chills up my spine because, you know, you don't think they'll touch you, but you're, you're bigger than them, or, you know, if you're in a group, like, you can scare them off, but you never know, and it's such an unnerving feeling not knowing. Has anybody ever gotten just murphs in an Ironman swim by some wild? Probably, man. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, the races in general are could be pretty vicious. Like, you know, a couple of the early races, I've had my goggles knocked off by like another another racer just like elbowing me in the face. Purposely? Yeah, it's like what? you know, you're trying to get advantage over your your competitors, right? So you start in this mass start, you go run into the to the ocean, and it's like choppy waves. You're all in this corral, and it's like fighting for your position, and you almost have no choice but to like be over dominant, right? And like hold your ground because it's not like running or biking. Like if you get knocked out, like you're in an ocean, you know? That's terrifying. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Mallorca, like, early in the swim, I got elbowed in the face, and my goggles flew off, and, like, cracked my goggle, and what? the rest of it, I had to swim with one eye closed, you know? You swam with one eye closed? Yeah. For the entire swim? I mean, it was, like, probably three out of the 3.8K, yeah. It just happened so early, and I was like, whatever, what other choice do I have? I'm not gonna turn back around, you know? And what? Yeah. That's insane. But that's overcoming adversity. Was that a really big challenge? Yeah, yeah, man. I think I'm not a natural swimmer, you know, like I practically YouTubed how to swim, you know, a lot of the, the training I did. I would just go to the local UBC pool or Kids Beach and just kind of get in there every day and was lucky I ran into this guy, um, you know, Ben, who's a, a swim coach out of UBC. and. I just kept showing up and one day I would like, he's like, what are you doing? What are you training for? And I was like, told him I had this upcoming race. And he was like, oh man, I would love to help you. And kind of offered some guidance of here's a structure, here's some swim techniques. You know, and I would send him videos of my swimming, he'd analyze them, send me feedback. And I don't know, there's something special about the whole community. I think everyone just kind of comes down to people who sign up for races like that, just want to be better. Yeah. It's not about the time. It's not about, you know, what place you come in. It's about, like... Well, apparently it is. People are elbowing you in the face. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's and then like, some people some people are, like, wired that way. You know, it's like every second counts. Is that a select few? Or is that... What's the general vibe on the start line? Um, I think you have your elites who are there to compete. And then you have people who think they're the elites. You know, they're going and... They got all the gear, all, all the clothes, everything, but, you know, they go out too hot um, and then kind of burn back a little bit. I think you have everyone, man. There's people there that just want to complete it to show themselves that they can complete it. But I think the mantra of the whole thing is you versus you. So mm -hmm. I think the people that do it for the right reasons, it's them versus them. And that's kind of what I did it for, you know. Okay, so this might be a dumb question, but... Oh shit! Yeah, dude, you got this. You got this. Couple more minutes. Couple more minutes. You got another bottle of water down there too. Yeah. Just, just douse yourself. Give yourself a little bit of life. I know you've struck. We can get into heat, <laughs> we can get into your heat stroke story later, but yeah, Connor, Connor got heat stroke in one of his his last Ironman, right? For a second, fifth, 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 fifth. Yeah. But so th this might be a dumb question, Connor, and massive respect to anybody who does an Ironman. But how hard are they actually? Like. Do you know what I mean by that question? Like, how insanely difficult is it? Like, 
how much training, how, how special, or how hard do you have to work to be able to complete an Ironman? Just complete it. Yeah, I think incredibly difficult. Um, okay, so it's no joke. No, no joke. Okay. And truthfully, when my first one, I thought it would be a one and done, and I didn't know I would be able to complete it. I went into the race like, you know, left Canada, left my corporate job, moved to New Zealand, didn't know a single person, joined a local triathlon club, trained for six months full on, and I went to the start line, and I didn't know if I was going to complete it. So you trained for six months, yeah. and you're already an athletic guy, and you weren't sure you were going to complete it. You obviously did. Yeah. How hard was it to just complete it? I think it was the hardest thing I've done really? up until that point. Wow. Yeah. Like, I've run, you know, 100 kilometers before, um, done tons of running challenges, the Three Peaks, Project 48, running for 48 hours, and I think that Ironman was harder than all of those. Harder than the Three Peaks? Yeah. Okay, so it's really, like, if you completed an Ironman, you're, you're pretty hard. Like, you're, you're made of iron to some degree. I mean, yeah, statistically, like, you know, 1% of the planet has completed, less than 1% of the planet has completed a marathon. Yeah. So imagine doing 180K and 4K swim before that. I think the, the percentage-wise is probably 0.1% of people on the planet have completed Ironman. Yeah. But like the real victory again and again is that fourth element, you know, it's, it's the mindset and yeah. like what you learn about yourself. And the race is really just a reflection of all the hard work you put in leading up to that moment. Do you think anybody in the world could just do an Ironman without six plus months of training? I think, you know, you could probably complete one right under the cutoff of 17 hours, but it takes like serious work and dedication to feel comfortable, know the nutrition and like, yeah. I think you could complete one. Could you race one? No. Yeah. So I don't think I could do an Ironman. I just want to put that out there because I'm... I, I suck at running and swimming and biking. So, um, but the reason why I ask that question is because I find for so many disciplines and sports, there's like there's levels to it, right? And I think there's not many sports where to be at that level, it's like it's like an, an elite. It's like uh, jujitsu is like a really good example. Like jujitsu versus like karate or something. Like if you do karate, like you're not necessarily like a total badass, but. If you're like a brown, purple, black belt, even blue belt in jiu-jitsu, like, you're like 100% in, in the lead. Yeah. Um, so I was just trying to figure out if that's like the case for Ironman. Sounds like it is, because, I mean, 17 hours of non-stop movement, like, who does that? Yeah, I think you have to have a couple of screws loose to, to sign up for one, but um, in the same breath, I don't want to say I don't think anybody could do it. I think anybody could do it, just yeah. not without the actual training leading up to it. Understood. Nor yeah. would it be as fulfilling if you did complete it just on a whim off the couch. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind of doing a disservice to yourself and, and kind of the whole element of you versus you and the training leading up to it. Yeah. Um, but I would recommend anybody that I know or, or that listens to this to, to try, you know, signing up for a triathlon and just giving, a, giving it a try. There's something magical about training three disciplines. You know, if you don't like running, you can start on the swimming. If you don't like swimming, you can start on the bike. But you can you can silo, get better, and then move on. If you get injured, you know, running, your knees are hurting, you can jump in the pool. Whereas if you're just training for, you know, a run or a bike race, like, and you get an injury, it's hard to, to sustain that 
um, kind of level of motivation or fitness. So. Do you generally believe that anybody can do an Ironman if they put in the work? I do. That's cool. Yeah. Same same mentality though. I believe anyone can can do anything that they put their mind to if if they're really like truly dedicated to it. I got an interesting. I know we're almost maxed out here. Dump that water. Let's get a couple more minutes. Oh, man. You got another. You got another water down there. I'm, I'm maxed out, but. I got an interesting question for you, Connor. Yeah. You got an incredibly positive mindset. You genuinely believe anybody can do anything, including yeah. yourself. Do you ever worry that that mentality can lead into toxic positivity? I do. Um, you know, like, ultimately, I consider myself a delusional optimist. Okay. Which, At least you're aware of it. Yeah. And, you know, I face severe burnout. You know, after the six races leading up to the, the sixth and fifth, like, I was spent, man, financially, emotionally, physically, you know, doing three Ironmans in three months back to back, some within three week period, like, it took such a toll on my body. Um, and I think, like, incorporating an element of intentionally slowing down mm -hmm. and taking a step back, whatever that area is in your life, will actually help you propel yourself so much further. Yeah. But it's it's actually sitting down and intentionally thinking about slowing down. So right now, you know, I've done the six. My bike isn't even in this in this province. It's in Ontario. I'm intentionally slowing down, taking this time to recover. You know, do ice ice plunges and saunas and preparing. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's so it's like the journey, right? If you fall in love with the process, you're gonna win, right? Whatever the outcome is. So yeah, yeah man. It, it can lead to toxic positivity, but. You know, with the right balance, it can lead to fertility as well. I think you've outlasted me in the sauna. No, man, I'm done. Let's You're done. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. Cold again now. Nice tubs. I was really struggling in there. Connor, you were killing it. You're, you're, you're whooping me in this hot cold cycle. Not that it's a competition, but <laughs> it is a competition. But. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's very generous. That's the first time since I've known you in the last two years that I came even close to the level of sauna <laughs> intensity you have. But um, yeah, about that like kind of competition stuff. Like, what's your opinion on? toxic positivity because I feel like everybody today is always like you can do anything you can do it like get up like you know, you know what I mean like everybody's always so 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 positive but at what point does it become toxic and sometimes dangerous like imagine like telling somebody that they can do an Iron Man but maybe they're afflicted and like they can't like what how do you how do you make that distinction in your mind from positivity to toxic positivity yeah, that's a great question. I think the thing that I I think of, you know, David Goggins is kind of a good example of that, right? He, for, for people who know him, he's, they either love him or hate him. He's become kind of very bipolar in that sense of, you know, hardest motherfucker on the planet. You can do anything. He's run 240 miles in 
you know, broke both of his legs and duct taped them, duct taped them together. And I think that leads into this question of toxic positivity is that constant pushing the limit. And for me, I think I've struggled with always chasing the what's next, what's like push yourself further and, and farther and like to, you know, another minute in the in the cold tub and that leads to to negative burnout and stress and anxiety and, you know, like failure and, and like leaning into letting go of the ego, you know, listening to your body and um, I think having a balance of pushing the limit and breaking that glass ceiling here and there, but also like really listening to yourself, practicing breath work, slowing down, setting time for intentional like thoughts and, and accomplishments um, leads to a healthy balance. So. I think it's important to surround yourself with people that push you, but also understanding it's okay to slow down, it's okay to intentionally rest, and you know, having that balance leads to peak performance. I'm gonna listen to my body right now. I think I gotta get back in the sauna. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. That was beautiful. <laughs> Dude, I'm feeling fucked up. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, you said you're blacking out. What were you saying? Like, be careful with going back and forth too quickly? Yeah. What happens? Um, just a lot. Yeah, so like, when you're getting heat in the sauna, uh, everything's vasodilating, so like your blood veins are getting big and blood's going everywhere. And then when you jump into the sauna, everything's constricting. So it's just like, uh, like think of uh, like a big hose when you like, or like water coming out of a hose, yeah. then you constrict it and it shoots super fast, so you get higher pressure. So then your blood's just like shooting fucking everywhere in your body. Holy fuck, yeah, I think it's happening right now in my brain. Yeah. I'm getting <laughs> Dude, my whole body was like I thought I thought my legs were gonna like fall under me when I was walking back. Really? Yeah, even right now, like I'm buzzing. Yeah, oh my god, I'm buzzing right now too. I'm like is that healthy? <laughs> oh man, there's definitely a point where it's probably not. Yeah. Oh dude, I'm actually pretty messed up right now. <laughs> Oh, is it good to be in here, or should we go into the, the chairs and, like, cool it off a bit? I actually don't even know. Oh, let's just open this door for a sec. Get some... <coughs> I just want to be warm, but, like, not too warm, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, I think, uh, yeah, this is, like, the one of the gnarlier times. Uh, this is why uh, you gotta know your limits. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of toxic positivity. Oh man, I'm like, I'm like cold, but like, I don't want to be hot. <laughs>
Oh, man. Yeah, I think that was too much. Yeah, that's too much so. for me. I think when I was talking over there, I was like blacking out. <laughs> I don't even remember what you said, Paul, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm not the only one, eh? Uh, okay, let's close that door. Okay, I'm starting to feel a bit better. Are you, are you feeling okay? A little bit better. I feel like I need the circulation in my, my body. Yeah? Yeah, okay. The sauna's heat is like starting to feel nice. Okay, I think I'm back. I think I'm back. Yeah, man, like, hot cold cycling can be, like, really intense, especially if, like, especially, like, some days are just worse than others, too, like, I guess, uh, yeah, if you're just not, yeah, if something's going on in your body or nervous system, like, you can just get fucked up, really. yeah, yeah, but then, yeah, there's also that, like, sweet spot where it's, like, you hit it just right, and uh, I just feel like really euphoric after. For some reason, I always feel uh, grateful, like a very, that's a very mm. specific grateful feeling, which is interesting. Cause like, I feel like, uh, you know like different drugs kind of give you, like I feel like alcohol, it makes you feel present. Mm. Like you're, you're not worried about tomorrow. You're just like, you're very present with alcohol. Yeah. With weed, I feel like you're very relaxed. Yeah. Like you're, messes don't mind like you don't pay mind too much almost like to a detriment <laughs> and then for hot cold cycling it's like grateful like so yeah it's interesting yeah uh, and then for mushrooms it would be like things are um things are alive like like life is vibrant mm. like there's their soul to the world mm. like fulfilled fulfillment i'd say is how i feel on mushrooms it's interesting like different drug do you get that as well with different drugs um yeah i think like back back to the sauna i think maybe you kind of connect it with your 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 first experience you know on each each one first time you had alcohol it's probably a social setting first time you know you're in a sauna you're like with people in this shared experience of like vulnerability um you know you're you're very present so i think you're 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 grateful for like each other and like the feeling of of being connected maybe i don't know but that's uh, that's yeah. what i that's what i got maybe. i mean I, i've done it by myself too and like i'm like grateful feeling but what are you grateful for then just like everything, I don't know. And like, I feel like uh, I'm not very good at being grateful. Like, <laughs> um, I just like, yeah, people are always saying like, count your blessings and be grateful for what you have. And yeah, I see what they're saying, but like, I just think it's really unnatural. And I guess the point is like to, like, even though it's unnatural to like practice it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to sound like an ungrateful brat, but. I don't know, yeah, I've always just had had trouble. Like that whole thing, it's like, well, 
you know, you live in a first world country, top 1%, whatever. Like, think about the person who has nothing. Like, yeah. and then I just think that's like not relevant to like human nature or psychology, you know? Like, mm. you're always gonna take what you have for granted. Like, that's just natural. Yeah. And I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing, depending on who you are. Yeah. Um, I think you can almost use that as motivation sometimes, but. Um, yeah, like, I guess my point is, I think, let's say you're, you're a millionaire and you're staying in a four-star hotel and you're like, oh man, this four-star hotel sucks. Yeah. I think that feeling of disappointment in the four-star hotel is just as valid as like a poor person staying in like a one-star hotel and you're like, wow, this hotel sucks. I think that feeling in, in, to both parties is, is equally valid. Yeah. Just because of how human psychology is wired. It doesn't make the person, who, the millionaire who's upset with the four-star hotel bad or ungrateful or different. Yeah. It's just like how people were wired. Like, you can't, you can't make him feel something that's un, not natural. You can practice it, but... Yeah. yeah. I think it comes, it comes to, like, just humans and, and individuals, like, setting expectations, you know, and having a standard. Right? Yeah. And like, if my standard is high and it doesn't meet that, then you shouldn't settle, you know, set, settle for that. Same with friends in like a relationship. Like, if your standard for somebody is here and they're down here, you wouldn't tolerate that, right? Yeah. So, I don't think it makes you a bad person if, you know, you're, you're not okay. It's like knowing what you want and, you know, like... Where, where, but, but gratefulness comes into place where it's like not so much about standards it's about understanding like having something that was given to you you know mm-hmm. versus like you didn't earn or I'm sorry that you like didn't really work or what something that you worked your ass off for versus something that was given to you and like being grateful for for the things that were given to you, whether that's friends, family, and opportunity, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk more about Iron Man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, dude, what was the craziest Iron Man that you did? I think I'm still buzzing from this back and forth sauna here. I know. I'm like, I'm like a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure if I'm too hot. Do you want to crack the door open sure. a little bit? Yeah. I'm like, did you ever? Uh, I feel like. I've had some heart issues lately. Not lately. Lately, it's been pretty good. But like a few months ago, I'd say. Yeah, I'm like I'm a little worried about my heart sometimes. Sometimes. One day, I feel like I'm just gonna stop working. <laughs> That's scary, man. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What are you What are you feeling right now? I'm feeling like I need like food. <laughs> yeah. Like I I think my body. Is a little bit in shock, truthfully. Like, yeah. From going to from such a cold to such a hot, and like doing it so fast, I got so lightheaded, almost like delirious. <laughs> truthfully, man, I. It's not a good marketing for the spa, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can cut that. No, 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 no I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Um. Yeah, I I feel a little like. 
out of my body, you know? Me too, a little bit. Yeah. Just wild. I'm coming back, but I like definitely, um, I don't quite feel comfortable. Okay. How's your heart rate? Is it sped up or is it slowed down? I can't even feel my heart right now, which is, that's, that's a feeling that like, uh, I've been getting sometimes where I can't feel like my heart, you know? Like, you feel it, your heart rate, heartbeat. Yeah, it feels normal. Okay. Yeah. It's fast or slow? I think it's faster. Faster? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, sometimes, like, uh, even coffee will sometimes do it. Mm. <clears throat> I feel like anxiety is a good way to describe it, maybe. But mm. I feel like people always talk about tight chests when they have anxiety. Whereas mine doesn't feel tight. It just feels like nothing. Like, it feels like it's not. It's like... I don't even, yeah, it's super weird. It's like not, uh, it's not, it's not constricting. Maybe like too large, like my heart is too, like inflamed might be a good, good mm -hmm. word to describe it. You don't know what I'm talking about. You should about. probably get a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we could, we could pivot back to yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, dude, yeah. So what's, um, what's the craziest Iron Man that you've done? Oh. Definitely the Philippines, man. The Philippines was literally a movie, you know, I, because, it, again, like, the races were through a pandemic, you know, it was kind of this stay ready at all times, so I was training hard always, because the races were being canceled, postponed, changed, and Philippines was number five. I was actually scheduled originally for Ironman Taiwan. They canceled it and transferred me to Ironman Philippines, gave me a seven-day notice. Imagine getting a seven-day notice for an Ironman. <laughs> um, and so I I said, okay, like, if I, I don't do it now, like, I don't know when, and you can, you can always train hard um, and do it, do it in the future, but you don't know what the future holds, right? And in my mindset, I was like, I want to go all in on this and I'm so committed that I'm going to train every day as if I'm going to do an Ironman next week. So I was in that mindset, I was training on the regular, got the notice, signed up for the race, or transferred the race, and then literally got to Philippines three days before the race, right? Mm -hmm. It's like 72 hours before the race I land. Wow. My bike didn't even make it, got sent to Korea because I was like transferring through Korea are supposed to transfer through Korea. Long story short, I didn't. I took a different route, but my bike was shipped that way. I didn't get my bike, and I was like, man, what do I do now? 72 hours before the race. So I went to the local Starbucks, started calling every bike shop in Manila, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm 6'2", looking for a bike frame to, to like use for this weekend. All, like none of the bike shops had that size frame um, and like got you know my girlfriend back here Georgia to like start calling other places as well I'm like trying to get my mom to help you know I'm just oh like in panic mode almost of like how the hell am I supposed to do this race I came so far like it's like 17 hours or something to get there like so much went into it um, I have to do this race anyways long story short I, I took a whim, went to this bike shop, like just, you know, walked in the middle of the roads of Manila, 
they got in, they got in a taxi, drove 40 minutes to this bike shop, and this guy, when I walked in, he was like the owner of the shop. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh man, like that's a crazy story. Um, we'd love to help you. Um, I don't have a, si- a bike frame your size, but I have a friend who I know who could might be lend you his bike. He's like an ex-Philippines basketball player. <laughs> and I was like, that would be incredible. But he's like, what I can do is like, because my whole bike bag didn't make it, right? So he's like, I can give you a helmet, I can give you shoes, and we can try and figure out a bike situation. Calls his friend, the friend brings the bike, um, and they spent, like, the, the shop closed at 6 p.m. that day. They spent, like, I don't know, two extra hours. So it was, like, three, four hours helping me. But the bike got there at 6 o'clock when it closed. They, they had five staff stay and helped fit me to this bike. Um, and one guy that came in after hours who was also doing the race named Rico. And he was like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? I was like, long story, but <laughs> doing this race and I didn't have a bike and these guys are helping me with the bike. He's like, oh, like, how are you getting there? And I, like, it didn't even process in my mind. I was like, I just need to focus on getting a bike. I had no idea how I was getting to the race. It's like, I'm going right now if you want to ride. And I was like, what? holy shit, like, yes. It's like, I don't even have my bags or anything he's like no worries we'll pick up your bags and you can come with me and you can stay at like our hotel we booked um we'll figure it out but if you want and I was like oh my god yes so um this is this isn't even the race which is the hardest part but just getting there was so many things went wrong you know could have probably easily just called it a day and said it's not meant to be but um I think in those moments like that's where the power of serendipity comes into play. You put yourself in, in an environment so out of your comfort zone that something is bound to happen, you know? Something is gonna align and it's gonna help you achieve what you need to achieve and just never know unless you try. But right. yeah, Rico came and, and they got me this bike and got to the start line, which wow. was a crazy journey, but made it um, and yeah, the thing that I was not prepared for was the weather. You know, in Canada, we're in Celsius, so it was equivalent to almost 42 degrees Celsius. Fucking hell. Which would be like biking in the sauna right now, you know? Um, so the swim, swim was fine, you know, did the swim, that was okay. Got out, started the bike. Literally, I think it took me two over two hours longer than all my other bike races i had to get off every like 10 kilometers and douse my head in water because my body was overheating i was going into like i don't know my body just was shutting down on me because it was so hot yeah um and then you know get to the get to the run and like I didn't, I honestly thought I was going to drop out. I was like, there's no way, you know, like my body is barely moving, barely functioning. I don't have enough food. That was the other thing because of COVID, like they didn't provide food on the course. So you had to carry all your own food. And I didn't know that, (laughs) which was maybe a huge oversight on my my part. But so you did the whole race, no food with what I had on me. But usually like there's, you know, there's like bananas and like, crackers or like protein bars or something on the course um but yeah I didn't have enough food um and was already overheating anyways long story short like 
took me 15, over 15 hours to do this race, which is probably four hours, three or four hours longer than all the other ones I've done. I lost 10 pounds in the race. I've, 10 pounds? Yeah, I blacked out, like they almost, they almost pulled me out of the race. They tried to, they were like, we're calling like the medic, like just stay here. I was like dry heaving because I was vomiting so much that I like, I couldn't vomit anymore, but I was dry heaving. Like there's all the bile was gone out of my stomach, but something like deep down was like, you have to finish this. And I don't know what it was, but I just said, don't think about like the, the 30 kilometers left I had in the race. It was like, just think about the next like one kilometer. And I just broke it down and I like practically locked this marathon man. It was, it was horrible, but um, yeah, as soon as I finished, I like pretty much collapsed. They brought me to the medic tent. They put me like on this bed for hours and put IVs in me and like try to bring me back to, <laughs> to some kind of baseline. But yeah, it was the hardest thing I think I've ever been through. Um, you know, getting there, doing the race and then like finishing that line. And even though it was my quote unquote worst performance out of all the races, Deep down, I think it was the best performance, um, you know, because I learned that when you think you're at your limit, you actually have a little bit more to go. Jeez. That's a long story, but... Dude, yeah. that's actually wild how intense that is. Yeah. And sometimes I just think, like, I'm so calm, you know, like, as a person. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to express my emotions or my feelings or what goes through my brain to people on a day-to-day that I just, like, kind of keep it to myself. But, fuck, man, the last two years were hard. Like, challenging. Like, I'm still recovering from, like, burnout and, you know, mental exhaustion. And it's a real thing. It's like your body is needs time to recharge needs time to refuel needs time to like back again slow down right um and so that's why you know i was kind of this overly ambitious like oh i'm gonna do antarctica in 2023 but like i think i really am doing myself a disservice to rush it you know i want to be healthy i want to do it right i want it to be an experience that I remember forever and um, yeah so I'm taking this time to be intentional and you know really slow down to recover and and know that I'm mentally and physically like back to where I should be before I really dive into training full-on so I'm giving myself a year to train dude huge respect for realizing and understanding that's what you need and then allowing yourself to, to take that um, so that's huge especially when you're talking about doing an Ironman in Antarctica you can literally die if you're not prepared yeah right so and thank you for sharing that the last two years have been tough because um, you're right like you're very calm you always seem in control um, it looks like you got everything on lock and I think this is like something like a lot of like guys in particular deal with like ambitious guys yeah where like 
yeah it's like sometimes like things are just like really hard you know yeah man <laughs> it's like hard to express that sometimes so i think it's really yeah i really respect how you're just openly saying like yeah it's been hard so thank you <laughs> yeah man i think everyone has a different way of you know sharing um some don't like to share but it doesn't do anyone any good if, if you don't, you know, it doesn't do yourself good if you hold all the emotions in or feel like you can, you know, work through them on your own, even if you're the, you know, the most competent or the best in whatever discipline you're at, like, that's what humanity is all about, right, is like being there for each other, right, and yeah, I don't know, I think... It's it's just it's cool as as you continue to do things that bring you joy. You you surround yourself with people or get to meet people that you know shed light onto what you're going through or or are able to you know share their story and like you know, either or light a spark in your in myself or make me think about a thing in a certain way or, or vocalize something that I've maybe thought of or struggled with to, to, to articulate. And then, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of power in, in sharing. Mm. What do you think you need in this next year to for yourself? Like, what are the, are you doing, you mentioned you're doing intentional things. What are some of the intentional things that you're going to be doing for the next year? Yeah, I think a big one is writing. Writing. You like to write. I don't like to write, but I I found a lot of clarity in writing. You know, I, there's so much that goes on in our brains, like consciously and subconsciously, and I think tapping into the subconscious is so powerful, and the best medium or modality to do so is through writing. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm working on a book right now. No way. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thanks, yeah. Man. I think you might have mentioned it before, but yeah. Yeah, just kind of kept it to myself like Yeah. It's not it's not it's again like being the youngest and this book is actually genuinely not about sharing out with the world. Like yeah. it's sharing it with myself and and documenting something that I went all in on. And that's yeah. the title of the book. It's called All In, you know, and it's like Yeah. It's on my ring here. I look at it every day. It just says All oh, In. You got a ring? Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, the Iron Man ring. Iron Man number seven, because I yeah. got one more to go, you know? That's so cool, dude. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's so cool. Yeah, but, um, yeah, just being intentional writing. Um, I do a little bit each day. Um, I'm trying to write write a book for, for myself to look back on in the future and, yeah, I think about legacy I want to leave on this earth and... Um, you know, if I could write a book now and, and then look back on it when, you know, when, I don't know, when I'm 50 or 60 years old and, and see, like, how much has shifted or how much has changed, yeah. I think that would be pretty special. What's the book um, about? Like, is it about the Ironmans? I guess probably just your whole... Is it like, an like a memoir or an autobiography type book? Yeah, yeah. So it's... Yeah kind of my life to date you know yeah. it's like 26 years what's what's happened who am I like yeah. I think a lot of people don't really ask themselves that but like who are you you know it's like yeah who am I what do I value what do I stand for what are my life experiences what have I learned and um, 
you know, I, over the last year, what's been really helpful is I've had like a, a friend, coach, breathworking guide, whatever you want to call him, named Juno. And um, yeah, he's been really helpful in, in just like helping me think about who I am as a person. And, you know, we've been working on breathwork for the last year. And um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just think like just thinking about what you want to do on this time we have and you know I don't know I don't want to get like sentimental or, or like we're all dying but um <laughs> fuck man like what do you want to do you know and, and like what's stopping you from achieving what you want to do you know like so much there's so many excuses right but yeah. if you really want something and you have to do it or you have to try you might it might not work but you have to try right and I think that's why I gravitated to you, right, as a friend. And, um, you know, I think when we met, it was just like, who is Peter? And, and to me, like, you stood out because you had this idea of a kombucha company. You had a problem that you saw in the industry or you didn't want to drink alcohol or whatever it was, right? And you saw this as, like, a viable option. But instead of just thinking about it as an idea, you went all in on it and look where you're at now. It might not be where you want to be or, or you know, it's just a stepping stone, but find people that are doers, you know, and that's yeah. like what I fucking thrive and live on is like surrounding myself with doers. And, and that's what I just try and be for people around me as a doer. Well, thank you so much for the mention. Um, I absolutely think you're a doer as well. Uh, that's exactly why reached out to you actually for yeah I think originally it was like for athlete sponsorship or something like that after running the crown and then yeah I just kind of got to know you and like I don't want to talk shit about other people but like you're right like there's not a lot of doers like there's a lot of people I, like kind of going back to that toxic positivity thing like there's a lot of people who consume all this positive content and like listen to all these podcasts and self-help things but like so many people just like don't actually do the work yeah so it's and then so you got that side of the population or the demographic whatever you want to call it and then there's this whole other side of people who don't seem to have any interest in that kind of stuff like I find so many people um like a lot of my like not, there's nothing wrong with this as well. Like I'm not, I'm not hating on, on this, but yeah, a lot of people are just like really happy doing the nine to five weekend warrior thing and um, teach their own, no disrespect at all. But it is hard to find people who like want to do more than that. And I don't, it's not that it's better or anything. It's just, it's just a different approach to life, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of a more... It's kind of a lonelier approach to life, I think. But, um, but yeah, about the kombucha thing, I, I think you and I's experience are actually a bit different in that a really valuable lesson that I've learned in pursuing the kombucha business is that a very, very valuable skill to have is to know when to stop mm -hmm. or pivot. I don't think you've had that because there's, there's two different things, right? There's understanding something and then there's embodying something. Mm -hmm. You obviously understand the idea that 
sometimes it's better to call something a failure and move on. Yeah. You understand that, but I feel like maybe uh, you don't embody that because I don't think you've had like a severe failure yet, which is awesome. Um, but for me, I've really embodied the feeling of failure, mm. in my opinion, uh, with the kombucha company. Yeah. I think the kombucha company is a failure, to be honest. Um, we're going to survive and we're going to do our thing, but we're never going to create shareholder value. We're probably going to be in debt for the next five years. Um, and I, I was just young and dumb. Like I just, I didn't approach the industry the right way. Yeah. Um, I pursued, I approach it as like a passionate owner operator type yeah just fine if that's what you want to do but i guess maybe part of it is if my values changed as well yeah um yeah the reason why i think the kombucha company is a failure is kind of a longer conversation but essentially what it comes back to is that it's not a real business that generates shareholder profits it's either it's a passionate owner operator business yeah um, where you gotta work like 80 hours a week to just like kind of break even and scrape by to make it work. Um, or you can take big bets and like make it a big financing play and try to get massive distribution, become like start competing with GTs, Rise, um, Remedy, yeah. most of which aren't even profitable actually. Like I'm, I don't know their numbers, but I'm willing to bet GTs is one of the only kombucha companies that aren't in the red right now. Yeah. Um, like big ones included. Um, but anyways, that's like a totally different conversation, I guess. But I think my, my point with this little tangent is that, yeah, a life lesson that I've really embodied is that feeling of like failure and like being okay with it yeah. and trying to like move forward from it. And that's what this whole spa and even this podcast is about. Like, like yeah, like not to like, um, I don't know. I think it, I think it did take a lot of, courage to like see the the detriment uphill battle that the kombucha company was and then think maybe i should try something else that i'm passionate about which is hot cold cycling yeah. i'm really glad i did but i think that was like my personal like not coming of age what's the word like uh i don't even know what to call it my like my like your persevered story with indonesia in philippines yeah your persevered story with philippines is don't give up push yeah. through you got, you're at a hundred percent limit. You got a hundred, you got 20% more to go. Yeah. Puking up bile. Like you're, they're trying to pull you off. You're pushing them off. Keep like to keep going. Yeah. My like analogous experience to that is like being a bit more pragmatic and being like, okay, I should try something else. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, yeah. I don't know. I, I would challenge the thought process on that. You know, like it could, you could say, you could see it as a failure that, you know, maybe you didn't hit the revenue mark you wanted or you didn't provide enough shareholder value that you wanted. But think about, like, you got to learn over the last three or four years, five years now, like, how to operate a business. You got to build a community. Think about all the people that you've touched. Yeah. You know, like, I think those are successes. You've met all of your mentors and future business partners through that. So even though like, you know, it didn't provide, you know, yeah. a billion dollar price yeah, tag, yeah. it provided a lot. Oh yeah. So I completely agree with that. Definitely learned a lot. Yeah. And I generally do think that you either win or you learn. Yeah. I think you learn a lot more from failures. Yeah. 
And I've almost seen that sometimes. And some, some people, mostly in business, who've never had like a failure. Mm -hmm. And then uh, their approach, I think, I, yeah, it really depends on who you are. Like mm -hmm. some people, they'll take momentum and wins and like turn that into more. Yeah. And other people, I feel like would really benefit from like a, a failure to like teach them something. Yeah. If not, if not humility, if anything else. Sure. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It's just like part of the path. Like I've learned a ton, and I'm gonna take this, you know, quote unquote failure in my mind. Take the learnings from it, and then move on to the next one. And maybe that will just make me a better person in the future. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm feeling better now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I feel like we should, uh, instead of jumping in right away, like, maybe chill. <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking, uh, do you want to do another hot-cold cycle, or do you want to finish up in the lounge after the sauna push? Um, either either one, but yeah. if we do a hot-cold, then I think we should spend, like, five minutes yeah, just, yeah. like, in but, between. Let's just finish up in the lounge. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, we've got sessions tonight, actually. So, yeah, we'll uh, spend maybe five or five or so minutes in here and then finish up in the lounge. Okay. Um, dude, so... Oof. I, like, genuinely think you're going to go on to be, like, a public figure. Just going to put that on record here. <laughs> I know that that's weird to say. But, um, like, what do you... Have you thought about, like, 2024, 2025? Like, what do you... What do you want from your life? Like, who do you want to be? Like, who, who are you, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I think I want to be someone who did what they said they would do. You know, as simple as that. You know, I, I had this big, very audacious goal and I did it. You know, I think that in my mind is like, personally fulfillment but then kind of taking it beyond I would love to you know meet other talented people in the world and and share you know my story of the triathlon and, and the mindset and um you know like a little bit deeper on some of the, the quote-unquote quote, failures or, or struggles rather that that I went through to accomplish that yeah um I don't know, I'd love to start my own business uh, twofold, like one, coaching, and I'm starting it now, just kind of pro bono, but coaching other uh, people to either run or, or tr do a triathlon. Um, and then two, like, I'd love to public speak, you know, like yeah. go, go back to my old high school, go go to some companies. and Dude, that'd be epic. Yeah, I yeah. think that would, would be like a fulfilling know next kind of few years for me is just encourage people to to try or, or yeah. to to think a bit deeper or live intentionally or what I always say is like you know focus on your life resume versus your paper resume mm. right I think like if my story can help a couple other people like I would love that um, but you know, things evolve all the time, right? Maybe maybe there's a different path, and I think it's important to have a direction, but, you know, like, be open to, to new ideas, be open to change. I do see myself as entrepreneurial. Um, 
So yeah, I think the next year is focusing on you know Antarctica and maybe doing a couple talks here and there. Um, I'm doing one tonight actually, which would be a cool first. Oh, you're doing a talk tonight? Yeah, it's, no uh, I'm an, uh, one of the panelists on a, a uh, like a mental health talk with the CEO of Canadian Mental Health Association Dude. in November. So yeah, yeah, I think there'll be I don't know 50 people or something, but yeah be a cool experience to talk about like a lot of the things we talked about today right <laughs> so um yeah just kind of uh you know taking it as it goes I, I don't know i don't have an answer for five years down the line but yeah. in the next year just kind of one corner at a time that's it man that's just, it <laughs> that's it yeah i don't know i wake up every day and i feel lucky because i know what i'm working towards and i think that's that's a blessing when we talk about gratitude like extremely grateful like I don't know how I'm doing it financially I don't know how I'm going to do it physically or mentally but I know what I want to achieve and what I want to work towards so you know working backwards is is easier than working f forwards with no deadline or, or idea of where you're going right yeah I think I might have to call it in here okay let's do it let's finish up in the lounge cool let's do it Right. Should I clap? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Cheers, man. Cheers. Oh, I'm feeling yeah. better now. I was like pretty messed up for a minute there. Me too, man. I was a little worried. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hot cold cycling's like no joke, man. It's it's intense. But I feel. Uh, I feel so calm right now, like so relaxed. Yeah. A little bit euphoric, like mm -hmm. everything's it's like dialing up the clarity, you know, like you can see all mm -hmm. the all the vibrancy of the colors of the plants and Yeah. It's kind of a cool feeling. Dude, I was wondering, um, how hard was the first Iron Man? Um It was hard, man. I think like I learned so much, you know, the swim felt like forever, <laughs> like, <laughs> so long. And I just, I'm not a, I'm, I wasn't like a strong swimmer. Like my, my legs when I swim are like this, they just kind of drag. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to, to fix my form. How many hours is it? The swim? Yeah. It's uh, over an hour. About an hour, yeah. Yeah. Like I think it was like an hour and almost an hour and 20 minutes it took me. Um, yeah. But by the second one, I, I did a lot of a lot of training and cut off 20 minutes. So I think I hit wow. an hour exactly. Yeah. And that was just through like, you know, learning from the first one, training, looking at proper form, mm -hmm. um, working with a coach, like helped a lot. Mm -hmm. But. Man, at a hundred k on the bike, I was like, "Fuck this shit! I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah. You know, I was like, "I'm so over it." But I, I think it was a cool experience for me because I have two older brothers, and both of them actually did the race as well. Oh no way! Yeah, so all three of us got to to compete against each other, which was some healthy competition. That's fun. Did you win? I did. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You hear that, Alex? Ben. <laughs> no, um, no. Seriously though, like, 
the best thing about it and why it's my favorite and most memorable race in New Zealand was that I got to share it with them. I oh, think it made nice. it so special, man. Like, yeah, it was my, my dream, but, you know, to have my two brothers, like, doing the race there and, like, I think every experience that you have in life is so much better when it's shared. Yeah. You know, you get to, oh, re yeah. you get to relive it over and over again and, and talk about it and yeah. um, I think it, it makes things a bit more personal and a bit more valuable. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah, I think life is all about the relationships. Mm -hmm. um, did they get easier? Um, yes and no, man. Like, yes, uh, I, I kind of knew what to expect going into the next five, but no, because they were so short together, like so close together mm. that my body just kind of went through a lot. I, I truthfully don't know how the pro Ironman do that as a career. Like, it's so taxing on your body. It's a career? Yeah. Some how do you make a career of it? You just win races. You know, nice. like, it's like any NASCAR driver or any other, like, kind of sport. Like, if you're... I guess it is a race, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, top three, do, is it, like, cash prizes or all sponsorships? How, how does that... Yeah, depending on the race, you get you get cash prizes. There's like the World Championships, which is in Kona every year, so you have to qualify to get there. Oh no! So way. they bring like the best of the best to that stage. Yeah. Um, there's about two thousand participants in each race. Wow. Okay, so what's the if you place first in an Ironman, like what do you? What's pretty typical for? Nothing crazy. Like, I don't think any of them are making their you know, livelihood on winning races. Oh, okay. You so can probably get like a thousand bucks or a couple thousand bucks, but. Right, plus like sponsorship deals. Yeah, the real, yeah. the real value is in sponsorship deals. Gotcha, but the actual prize fund itself is like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, it doesn't even cover cost of the flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, did you ever meet one of the like top 10 guys? Yeah, so there's a guy, arguably number one or two in the world, um, Lionel Sanders and he's Canadian. Yeah, I got to meet him at my second Ironman. He was in that race. Um, wow. Wait, he's a Canadian too. Yeah. Oh, crazy. He lives in the States, but mm. he's Canadian and he was actually like a big inspiration when I first kind of looked into the racing, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, it was really cool to, to meet him in real life and I actually told him that was my second race. I told him about the six that I was doing. Yeah. And uh, he was just like, go get him, Tiger, or something like that. Like, I, don't even, I don't even know, but you know when you hear like words of encouragement from somebody you look up to, like yeah. how meaningful that is? Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, it was special, man. It was special to hear that from him. And um, we're on the flip side, you know, I messaged Rich Roll. Um, you messaged Rich Roll? Nice. I messaged Rich Roll on LinkedIn, yeah. and um, I said to him, you know, I think I did one Ironman at the time. That I'm going to do six Ironman on six continents and That's become awesome. the youngest person in the world. And I'm going to follow up and, and you know talk to you one day when, when I do that. So I haven't followed up yet, but... Um, didn't respond to the first message. He didn't respond. Yeah, but enough. that's okay. Yeah. Um, it was more about telling your heroes what you want to do so that mm -hmm. you, know, you hold yourself accountable to, to doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when time comes full circle, you can look back on it. Right. I don't know if I ever t if I ever told you or shared the story of how I got into triathlon. Um, I don't 
think so. Yeah, no, yeah, go ahead, share it. Yeah, so, like, like you said, you know, I grew up playing hockey mostly. That was kind of mm-hmm. where I saw myself going down and deciding between, you know, going to school in Canada or going to the States to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the guys, like, in my class are now in the NHL. Really? Pretty cool. Sick. Which guys? Uh, like Jake Evans, Montreal yeah, Canadiens. Okay, I don't know, many hockey players. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a child player come through here, though, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I was there that night. Ah, oh, you were, you were, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, decided just in school in Canada and kind of hung up the skates. I mm. had some, you know, concussions, like playing hockey, and I mm. uh, got into a good program and thought, like, you know, do something else. Didn't see myself really progressing. Mm. Um, so, kind of as a joke, me and two friends, tried out for a bunch of sports teams and one of them was the triathlon club mm-hmm. and in the tryout one of them like couldn't swim so he didn't make it past the swim test <laughs> what are you like, just, like he literally it was like doggy paddling <laughs> and he like didn't know how to swim why like, he's did an, you sign up for a triathlon he's an incredible athlete man like and he just was like i can do it yeah and he couldn't <laughs> swim like he literally failed the swim portion <laughs> Like, like, I don't understand, though. Like, he jumped in the water. Yeah. Did he do a couple laps first? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was, like, breaststroking, and then he was just, like, so tired that he was, like, going, you know, a doggy stroke. But the, the funnier part oh my was God. he didn't make it past the swim. And then my other friend, Adam, like, got on the bike for the bike tryout portion, mm-hmm. and his bike tire popped. Oh, so he didn't no. make it past the bike. Yeah. So I was the only one out of the three that made it past the swim bike run and somehow like did well enough to like make the team. Yeah, nice. And I was like, honestly, I freaking love that. Like I met yeah. some cool people. I thought it was like something totally different, you know? Yeah. And I just, I was like, I'll do it, you know? And I like, I'll try it. Um, but it was all short circuit. So it was 15 minute swim, 15 minute bike, 15 minute run. Mm. That was it. And then I did that kind of on and off for two years. And one of the guys that I would compete head to head with, you know, went off and came 14th in the world for our age group at Kona for Ironman. No way. So I was mind blown. I was just like, wow, like I would beat this guy in races, you know, go head to head. And then out of nowhere, he just like went and did this incredible thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, if, if he can do it, I can do it, right? And so I texted him and I had this, I still have this text, but I texted him, I think it was 2016 when he did that. I was like, dude, that is so inspiring. I'm going to do an Ironman by 2020. Um, and when I did it in 2020, I, I messaged him back on that same text. And I said, thanks for the inspiration. His name's Ben Rudson. But um, yeah, I think that's the moral of the story is like, it just takes one person to do it, to show you that it's possible and lead the way. And then, you know, if you see somebody do something, it, it automatically increases your threshold of what you think is possible. Yeah. So, yeah, you see that in every sport. Yeah. Whenever somebody breaks a limit, everybody starts breaking the limit. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly, right? Like the four-minute the four minute mile, right? Yeah. You know, more, yeah. more and more people started doing it. But, yeah, that's kind of how I fell into it. And I thought I would just do, be one and done and, you know, like left the corporate world to, to chase that dream and... Um, you know, it was March 7th, I did my first Ironman, and then 
March 17th or actually March 18th. I remember the pandemic hit because March 17th, I was out St. Patrick's Day celebrating. <laughs> Woke up the next morning, New Zealand was shut down. You couldn't leave the country. What? <coughs> um, and I was living there, so I thought like, I'll stick it out. It's probably just the flu or something, right? Yeah. Months, two months went by. Like my job was put on pause or just like, it's not essential. You know, I was like the first, one of the first people because New Zealand took it so seriously, level four lockdown, that like, you know, I was the first person to experience a grocery store where you had to stand six feet apart from people wearing a mask. And it was just so weird, right? I was yeah. like, what is going on, you know? And yeah. it was so isolating. You go from like this incredible high moment in your life yeah. to I just completed something I thought was impossible to these like post blues, you know, it's like, what the heck the world is like yeah shutting down and like i can't go out and run or bike or swim anymore or like do anything that i love to do or interact with people and became so isolating you know yeah. um i think that's one thing that is really hard to deal with as well for a lot of people that do a triathlon or an ironman is like you're 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 grinding you're grinding you're grinding you're climbing this mountain and then you like get to that euphoric state but it's actually, you go into a spell of depression afterwards. Really? Yeah. Is that common? Yeah. Because that's like a known thing. Yeah. Amongst, because yeah. you're like, you're like, now what? You know, right. you just accomplished something. You put so much energy and, you know, sweat equity into, and then it's like, now what? Hmm. And so that hit me. I was like, now what? And it was in that, in that like two months of like isolation where I started reading a lot and then I read about this girl, this Australian girl named Jackie Bell who did um, an ultra marathon on every continent and became the youngest person to do it. I was like, that's so cool. Like, I wonder if anyone's done that for the Ironman. Yeah. I read into it and like, you know, six people have done it and yeah. the youngest was 32 and I was just like, wow, in that little moment, I was like, I can do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And yeah, then you did it. It was hard, but because <laughs> you ever what? What was your best placement in uh, an Ironman? Um, like I came third for my age group. You know, it's kind of like what's the age group? Like, twenty-five to twenty-nine. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. you came third. That's yeah. like really good. Yeah, I mean, my my like my times are are all like kind of respectable but not you know incredible mm -hmm. like like i said like i think i'm a decent athlete but i'm not the best athlete out there like in the mm -hmm. races right yeah. and, and that's why i think i hope my story can resonate with more people because we're all at different levels but you know i didn't go and do these with the intention to win the races i went to, to race against myself mm -hmm. right i think that's back to that quote I said earlier is like the best fulfillment you can get from any physical activity or sport is the, the feeling or the knowledge knowing you can do what you thought previously was impossible mm -hmm. right and that was what I was going to seek out that's very cool where would you place uh like on the general leaderboards like top 50 top 100 top 500 um I don't know. It depends on depends on the races. Yeah, somewhere between 
top two to 400 out of 2,000, you know? Yeah. So not really even breaking the top 100. There's a lot of really fast people out there in the world. Would you ever try to break top 100 or that's not really a ambition for you? Um, yeah, maybe in the future, man. Like, yeah. I think, I think like, you know, these are, this is just the beginning for me. I want to do many more races to come and mm -hmm. different types of races and different types of pursuits. But yeah, I think like, I think I have it in me to, to beat my previous time for. Mm. So I found it really interesting how, um, people get depressed after mm -hmm. doing Ironmans. I, I, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, do you know, is that common in other sports or is that particular to long distance <coughs> endurance sports? I think it's common in endurance sports. Really? Yeah, because I don't, I don't run. So <laughs> I'm not an endurance guy, but. Uh, you, you climb, man. Yeah. Different, yeah, different but, set of, uh, yeah. of muscles. But yeah, like very common in, in ultra running, you know. Right. Why do you, like, can you explain that a little more? Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, you are so dialed in and so fixated on a result-oriented outcome, right? You're, you're training with the intention to hit a specific time, specific distance, mm -hmm. specific goal. And when you train at that intensity and intentionality, you have so much purpose, right? Mm. And then once you hit that, where does the purpose go? You don't have that same drive towards anything else in your life, or, or most people don't. Mm -hmm. So you're either going to another race, which is for some, t for some people like not for another year or two years, right? Yeah, but I mean, this happens in every sport, right? Like, uh, yeah, pretty much any sport, uh, you know, winning, winning the cup, getting the belt, uh, climbing the climb. Uh, yeah, like I wouldn't say, Nobody's like extremely happy for a long time after accomplishing their goal. Yeah. It usually is like, uh, you know, once you climb, like the climb that you've been working on for a year, you get lower down and you're like, okay, what's next? Yeah. But it's never like, they're never depressed though. Mm. Like same with like uh, UFC champs and stuff. Like when they win the belts, I don't think many champs are like depressed after, like with boxers as well, or like basketball players winning the cup. Like none of them are depressed. They're always like, well, that was great. And then kind of like on to the next one. Um, but depression seems like that's more specific to endurance sports. So I'm wondering why is that? Do you think maybe it's something to do with just like being so, so, so depleted after the trial? Yeah, I mean, I would be curious to, to see, you know, like a UFC heavyweight champion and if they actually were depressed after that. Right. Okay. So maybe I they think are. I think it comes down to frequency. You know, if you're in a team sport, or I think it comes down to an individual sport most often, or not. Like, yeah. if you're a hockey team, you win the cup, you can share that, relive that experience with your whole team, right? Yeah. You also have another season next year with, you know, 82 games or whatever it is. Like, we're an individual sport, like boxing or, or triathlon. Like, the longer it goes, the more effort you put in, you become depleted, and it's not the. It's like I think it's, it comes down to the frequency, right? If you, if you work so hard for one event in a year, it's like, what, where, what now? Like, what do you put, pour that energy and passion and determination into? I mean, that happens with uh, boxing and UFC and jiu-jitsu and climbing as well. They're all single sports where people are working for one moment and one every one, two, three years. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, 
that's not like a known condition in those sports mm. where the winners get depressed after winning. Mm. They might like say that the euphoria they felt from winning was short-lived, but not necessarily depressed. So mm. I just, I wonder, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, if, I don't know the, yeah, the don't science know. Yeah, behind, okay. but I, I do, you know, I lived it. Like I think yeah. even between, you know, some of the races, like I just like had so much purpose. Mm -hmm. And then like after the six, you know, like it was tough for me. You know, I didn't have mm. the same purpose or drive towards anything. And, and this is something I talked about with, um, you know, like, like a breath coach guy, do you know, that I was working with was like my feelings and my emotions almost neutralized. You know, I used to be like a very excited person or, or if I got angry, like, you know, you could see I got angry or frustrated. Mm. And then after the race, I almost became this like, even keel, nothing bothered me, nothing frustrated me, or if it did, like, it wouldn't really affect me. Hmm. And so I just feel like all of these imbalances of emotions and feelings occurred, and I don't know why, hmm. but I also sunk into this, like, burnout, and, like, I'd call it sadness, you know? It's like, yeah. fuck, you just, I just worked so hard for two years, and right. now I'm like, I feel like a great sense of accomplishment, but I, I fell in love with the purpose to get there and now I don't have that purpose to get anywhere but now that I have a goal and I'm working towards it again I'm starting to build back up right because you weren't sure if you were going to do the seventh after doing the six yeah I didn't I didn't know yeah. I would truthfully I think you know and I and after the six for a long time I said I wouldn't okay I Why? was very content with what I did yeah and I just felt like you know because I think I want like the idea was to do it in January 2023 and it was like you Fucking know hell. so rushed <laughs> right yeah. that it just got to me like mentally I was like I, I can't like physically think about doing that to my body or to my mind and like then I just stopped and said why why does it have to be now mm -hmm. like why can't I do it in the future and then when I started thinking more and more about it, it made more sense to do it in the future. And mm -hmm. this is coming back to just being intentional with slowing down, right? And like writing and reading and reflecting. You know, you, I think I, I, a lot of people do a lot, but never take time to process it yes. or reflect about it. Yes. And so being intentional actually fills your cup back up. You get to relive it, you get to process it, and you get to absorb it. And then once you're filled back up, you can go on to the next thing. I've been there. Um, it was actually before starting the whole spa back here during the Christmas time. I got COVID and it was Christmas. So spent two weeks just like doing nothing pretty much. Mm. Um, yeah, it gave me a lot of time to reflect. And uh, I kind of realized like I wasn't really happy with where I was and where the kombucha was and where it was going and just yeah. my life in general. Um, it pushed me to try something new. So... And I, I wouldn't have realized that if I was just stuck in the hustle, hustle bustle every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you were, would you say you were depressed after the running the six Ironmans? Definitely, definitely in like a, a slump, you know, yeah. like 
you can call it depression, you can call it brain fog, you can call mm. it, you know, burnout or fatigue, but mm. I think like, yeah, you know, it, it was tough for me to like process everything that happened. You know, in the time, it all feels so long. Like, fuck, like, I gotta wait like another six months till the next race, you know, or like train for another six months. And then now, like, that you've done it, it's like, that went by like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I may be the same with your, your business. Like, you know, you've been working on it for four years. Like, I don't know, does it feel like it's been four years or does it feel like it's just been kind of like that? Um feels like it's been a long time actually okay 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 <laughs> to each their own yeah but yeah i don't know yeah i haven't really not very good at time time concepts um yeah i guess it doesn't feel like a long time it just feels like a hard time <laughs> fair fair yeah. yeah um huh okay well how are you feeling now like uh in in life and whatnot much better man um i think like having conversations about how you feel is important you yeah. know like vocalizing that you don't have all the answers or you don't know what's what's the next step but um you know just like sharing your journey with other people like it's pretty healing, pretty powerful. Sounds like that's something you're really into. Like being like a coach type, like sharing your story, helping others, um, and also mental health. Is that is that like an area of passion for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think like, you know, not to get into it on, on this conversation, but something that's affected like me and you know loved ones of mine and my family and in their own ways and um yeah i think there's a lot of strong people out on the outside that you know have their own demons on the inside and mm -hmm. don't feel like they have a trusted person to talk to yeah and uh it's new to me you know it's all it's a it's a big subject and i think there's a long way for for men to go specifically you know like yeah. with it being Movember and growing the stash like we lose a we lose a man to suicide every minute of every day is that the stat yeah wow so in the last 60 minutes we've lost 60 guys to suicide that's actually pretty wild is that north america or the world or i think that's globally but whatever mm. the number is it's it's too high right and yeah a lot, a lot of those reasons are largely preventable. Yeah. I know this is a really touchy subject, but I've like, I'm not suicidal, but I've also thought dying is not the worst thing. You ever feel like that? Why do you say that? I feel like, like, like firstly, if anybody's having like weird thoughts, like yeah. please call somebody, do not listen to me, like call, call a friend, call a hotline. Uh, there's plenty of options. Um, but um, I do, I don't know if empathize is the right word, but I understand the idea that you just don't wanna go on anymore. 
Like it is, it is the easy way out, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a selfish way out. But it's easy. Like if you don't want to deal with anything anymore, um, yeah, you've always got that option. And I don't think, and I think that sometimes not the worst thing in the world either. Like I think if you are having a really hard time with whatever it is, like it, just with how you're feeling and you just don't want to feel that anymore. Um, I think that's sometimes almost better than having to deal with it. I would never encourage it, but I understand how you can get to the place where it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I mean, I would disagree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's probably good that you do. <laughs> I think like everyone deals with a lot and I will never understand, you know, what, what you fully go through or what any other person fully goes through. But I think that whether you know it or not, you are a lighthouse to some other people around you that might not tell you that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you knew that, then you would look at your life a little bit differently. And I think that more and more people just need somebody to help them think about something in a different way. Yeah. So this is like quite controversial, but at what point does it become, at what point does society say that it's okay to be selfish. You don't want to go through this anymore. You have our blessing to just call it a day forever. Like assist, the whole idea of assisted death, right? Like yeah. a more extreme version of that. Do you think that's ever an acceptable topic of discussion? Or do you think it should always be, you've got value for other people, don't be selfish, keep persevering? I, I don't want to encourage any thought towards Absolutely that it's not, okay. No. Um, and, I, and, you know, I respect your, your controversial opinion, you know. It's like you don't know what somebody's been through and, and maybe they've been through something so dramatic. But Well, it's, it's not even like the, the, the actual objective drama- dramatic events. Yeah. It's more just like how you're feeling. Like... Feelings are valid. Like, even if that whole thing about how you're not wired to understand, like, uh, discrepancies between, like, objective realities. Because everything's subjective, right? Yeah. Like, it's impossible to feel anything objective. Everything you perceive is... You own, your reality is just your perception, period. Yeah. So the feelings that you're feeling, if, like, you really don't want to deal with them anymore, like, are we ever going to say, like, okay, you don't have to deal with them anymore? Or is that, am I being crazy by saying that? I think so. Okay. Right. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe topic maybe for a different conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But no, I think the whole point of my, my kind of side here is just to encourage people to, to ask, to have conversations, you know, whatever the outcome is, yeah. is have a conversation and just be be willing to listen to somebody if they do want to have a conversation or um, you know 
point somebody in the right direction if you think that they they should have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> um but yeah. <laughs> I don't think we should end it on that note. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh. Yeah. What's uh yeah. what's next for Fatality Spa and Peter? Yeah. Um probably gonna get another location going, hopefully sooner than later. Um Yeah, I got some kind of good news. Yeah. There's a lot of zoning complications, so been working with the city to find our our usage type and then yeah. just got word they'll yeah i don't even want to we're going to consider us a fitness center which is good news because okay. now we can uh go to space in i3 zoning which has conditional approval for fitness centers yeah uh which is good because then that'll open up a lot of cheaper square footage warehouse style buildings uh, specifically the mount pleasant area which is where i prefer still going to be hard to find the right space but at least before mount pleasant wasn't even an option um, or I, I1, I2, or I3 industrial zone places weren't even options. Yeah. Now, now at least some of them are going to be an option. So we don't have to go in like kits where it's like three times as expensive, no parking, smaller build outs, mm -hmm. not very open. But why, why, why do you think people need, you know, a space like this? Um, I think they're really enjoyable. Like I think, uh, especially Vancouver, there's a real lack of any kind of social options that involve more than food or something else than food and drink mm. that are also wellness or wellness related. Like, um, yeah, I just find it crazy how I can't go drop into a place in Vancouver for a couple hours and get a sauna and cold cycle in amongst like-minded people. Um, and just like forget about the day for like a couple hours yeah. and like sweat it out. Um, like there are some options, but I feel like they're all missing the mark value wise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think social, social wellness is kind of the key word there. Like I think the city, this city in particular, and probably others across North America needs more social wellness options. Agreed, man. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of the space and yeah. I think that just brings people together in such a, a joyful way. And it's, fuck, it's so good for the body and the mind, you know? Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, what's next for you? What, uh, you got any plans for the next, next few months or just R&R just &R and, and work, I guess? Um, I'm running a, uh, a triathlon next weekend for mm. November, Apple. carrying a, uh, a four-foot mustache. So I'll be dragging it across... Pacific Ocean there off Kitts Beach and um, you know biking with it on my back and then running with it as well mm. and doing that with um, somebody from the Movember Foundation and then training towards a, a winter triathlon um, in December so I'm gonna go out into the Alpine somewhere in, in Whistler and do a winter swim and winter bike and winter run and you know, this is going to be a long year ahead of me, but got traumatized and uh, slow and steady, right? But yeah. yeah, really excited for it. And, you know, I'll definitely be back here to work on my cold exposure. And, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking forward to, to having a good end to this year. It's been a hell of a year. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for the conversation.
think we'll cap it there. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks, Appreciate brother. You.